Welcome to the Great Bay's Tennis Podcast. This is Andy Fitzell, your co-host alongside Steve Smith, episode 53. This week, we're talking about Roger Federer. 40 things about Sir Roger. Roger eight, Federer. 8881. Roger Federer. Team, yeah. Name of his company, Team 8. Yeah, we're doing 40 things because he recently hit that milestone, 40 years old. So I started rattling off all these tidbits, and then I wrote, it, wrote them down as a post. Mm-hmm. Um, characters number one. Yeah. So then I touched upon uh, reviewing it, then someone sent an email and said, hey, can you go through that list quickly? So here goes, Roger Federer. Yeah, head in the snowbank. I love this one. So he's at a tennis hall. I've ever been to a tennis hall in Europe. Typically, there's a place to sit down and have a sandwich, have a beer. So mm. Rob Roger's acting up. He's dropping the racket, kicking the racket, throwing the racket, swearing. And his father... Finally, Robert calls down and says, hey, your behavior. Roger looks up in this, in this sitting gallery, tells his father, why don't you go buy a beer? Yeah, go get a drink. Then he, the gentleman, the, the Swiss thing, the father walks off, disgusted. Neutral. Nothing took place in public, but in private. I, I heard Roger tell the story. So he's asked, what happened? And he said, well, I went out to the car the parking lot, my dad grabbed me by the neck and put my head in the snowbank. <laughs> Not happening too much anymore these days. Yeah. All right, find your own way home. Yeah, misbehaving again. Uh, Switzerland, I've been fortunate to be there a few times. Pretty safe place. I don't think you could do that in a lot of countries, but mm. I think it was uh, just five Swiss francs where he left money at the pro shop and left, and Roger had to get the bus, get the train, find his way home. Yeah. With, uh, Tell me about... Mercedes, Mercedes. Roger won his first paycheck. It was like 400 Swiss francs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was being interviewed and the gentleman asked him what he was going to do with the money. And he combined some of his Swiss German with English and said he was going to buy Mercedes. Yeah. But the guy wrote down he's going to buy Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. But his mother, uh, she made a point to find the journalist and, and, and correct him. Yeah. So that her son was not materialistic. He wasn't thinking about buying a Mercedes. He was buying Mercedes. Mercedes uh, yeah. Listen to some music. Mr. Mercedes. Album. All right. This is a good one. Orange Bowl, Bleach Blonde. Yeah. So he wins the Orange Bowl 18s and his mother's upset. He bleaches his hair blonde, which was a thing people were doing at that time. Yeah. So I was he, guilty of that. Then he... Um, was pulling his baseball hat way down. And his friend said, why are you wearing your baseball hat that way? Because if I don't, my mother will see my blonde roots. And <laughs> and uh, she'd be very, very upset because it was, she considered being a show off, being showy. So Roger got reprimanded. Yeah, the Afrikaner would come out and not be too thrilled about that probably. All right, number five here. Too expensive, too many numbers in my head. Well, I was told this by a friend of... Uh, Tony Gotsik's mm-hmm. friend of mine is a friend of Tony Gotsik, Roger's agent. Tony wanted him to use tennis analytics. 2017, uh, Australian Open, we played so well, came back when, when the, and beat Nadal. So at first, when he was told to use tennis analytics, Roger told Tony Gotsik, it's too expensive. And <laughs> yeah. then Gotsik said, well, I'll pay for it, even, even though you got nearly a billion dollars. <laughs> and then he said, he yeah, had uh, said that with a smile on his face, right? Like, uh, right. no, it's kind of expensive. Well, he's Swiss, you know, he's conservative <laughs> with the money. So too, too many numbers in my head was his second reason. 
and then finally got to, got him to uh, use tense analytics. And actually, you know this is that yeah. he he actually his answers are different now from that experience uh, when you when he's interviewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can hit the backhand a little more. Yeah. His first teacher, we talk about this quite often. Adolf Kowalski, uh, Czechoslovakian, called, they used to call him Seppi. And he's now back in Czechoslovakia. You think he'd be the most interviewed person in tennis. Right. But he was Roger's first teacher. And um, it goes into number seven where it's static balance. But the, the quote, his mother would um, is in a biography. I remember Roger's lessons when he was eight years old. He stood in one place for the entire hour and it just held his long follow-throughs. Yeah. So, um, I think that's very important. With static balance, number seven is, it's almost non-existent where you, you know, I just think of uh, Welby Van Horn, where you have a player just stand at the T line, they turn, you drop the ball, they hit, they hold, you, yeah. you correct their balance, you correct the checkpoints. Yeah. Wrist position, elbow position, follow-through. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that with the baseball. You know, I put up a video yesterday of Ashlyn Kruger, who just won. She's won the Orange Bowl twice, but she just won the U.S. Nationals and then the, the wild card into the U.S. Open. And the film of her working with David Anderson when she was young, under 10 for sure, and just, you know, static balance off the cones. And a guy messaged me today, coach or somebody, and, uh, you know, he said, is this the reason why players don't, you know, keep developing or something like that. And I said, you mean winning the nationals anyway, what, what it's not hate? understood very often these days, you know, people see that and they go, uh, what? Yeah. Slow down, self-evaluate. Um, doesn't, doesn't, uh, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't always keep the kids, you know, running around and yeah. Action, action, happy, good action method or game based training actually just slow down and okay. Can we agree that there's a ready position? There's a unit turn. Yeah. Work on basics. All right, number eight, um, you know, tragic car accident. This is Yeah, with sad. character, you, with Roger going through that, you know, he actually is the one who recommended his second coach, Peter Carter, mm-hmm. to go to South Africa, where Roger's mother's from. Yeah. And I've been fortunate to be in South Africa a few times, what a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was, Peter Carter lost his life in a, in a car accident. It makes me think of uh, Jeff Coetzeer, who now is the director of player development for South Africa. Um, he also, he, he survived, but his nephew did not. And he was in a bad car accident, but yeah, in South Africa, yeah, a lot of bad roads, a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of bad tires on cars too. Yeah, it gives me chills a little bit. I remember watching the interview that Roger gave with the CNN, uh, woman, you know, and she asked him about that and, you know, how, you know, what he would hope. You know, he said, yeah, I hope, you know, I would hope he would be proud and kind of, you know, he got emotional. You could look for that on, on YouTube, but yeah, sad. One thing with uh, Peter Carter, uh, taught by Peter Smith, there's Peter Smith from the U.S., a mm-hmm. tennis coach, coach was at USC for a long time. Now he's running the Kramer Club. Yeah. But Peter Smith, the coach in Australia is well known as well. And um, Peter Carter hit the ball really well. So he was Rogers really second coach. Mm. I think he worked with him from like the age of, you know, 10 on, 10, four to, 10 to 14. But uh, you can actually get on YouTube and look at film of Peter Carter hitting the ball. Yeah. Or, you know, Raven Clausen, I've talked to him about it. Somebody who we spent a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of firepower, but just, you know, the term smooth, efficient. Clean, yeah. So 
so many things had to be right for Roger to be the player that he is. Yeah. Number nine, net attempts at Wimbledon when he beat Sampras. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, the last match Sampras played, we played Agassi, he came in at 104 times, but that did not really influence tennis. Mm. Um, another number we could talk about is... Uh, Meaning that if, if it did, if kids got really inspired, they would be wanting to yeah, develop an all-court game, go to the net. It's like with the Brian brothers serving volley, and it's like the very best are serving volley. Yeah. You think you'd serve volley. Don't worry about getting the two-inch trophy when you're 10. Or, or another number we always share is Naratilova, nine nine Wimbledon titles when you're hitting her one-hand on a spin approach shot. Yeah. But the number of attempts that Roger came to the net during his match with Sampras, he went a five-year period where five years in total um, were each fortnight. So say for two weeks, he didn't have made as many net appearances as he did against Sampras. And there was a number of factors. One, the grass changed. Mm-hmm. But two, also that when you're playing someone like Pete, it's basically capture the net. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get this. That was number 10 net attempts in five consecutive fortnights yeah. after the grass was changed. 55% U.S. Open and 2% at Wimbledon. Again, this list was made quickly. Just to, you know, I just said, here's some juniors that just rattled it off. Yeah. So for years and years, you know, Federer and Nadal go into the U.S. Open. So it's September. So they've played eight full months, and they're always they're they're always at fifty five point point one fifty five point two percent of points won. Coming back to analytics, this is a comment that Roger made. Um, it's frightening how low the level of players at Wimbledon. Would, and an example would be this is paraphrasing that I know that less than two percent of the time my opponents are coming in behind their serve. Yeah. That's where analytics, again, you know, knowing that, it's like, oh, okay. I know I can just chip my return back. They're not going to take it out of the air. So it gives you a little confidence when returning or when you're in trouble. Just put the ball back in play. All right, number 12, before or after Chilich, um changes serve. Yeah, that's, you know, I like to consider myself to have listened to quite a bit, you know, like the, the interviews or being well-read, but to hear, you know, hear Roger say that, I mean, still it just changes toss. Even Ivanisevich yeah. is winning, working with them. And I'm sure, I'm guessing that Ivanisevich said, hey. What are you doing, man? Toss like me. <laughs> yeah. You're going to toss he, the ball high he, into the left. Why don't you go lower yeah, into the so, right? Um, where all the speed is. But in a, in a, a post-match, uh, Federer mentioned Silich. He goes, well, before or after he changed his serve. Yeah, exactly. They so know. just just let you know that he, that he was in tune with that. Yeah. Um, and I don't, but I think as you've said many times, is the public misses that. What do you mean he changed his serve? Yeah. Yeah, he changed his serve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a few videos out there that show the change of the toss, and it's fairly dramatic. You know, a few feet, and then he won the U.S. Open. Hello, <laughs> thirteen straight jacket. Yeah, I think it's you know great to listen to Roger where he said he was really tight and talked to himself and he said, you know, you're playing like you're in a straight jacket. Mm. I think for, for children to hear that, that's what Roger said to himself. And then yeah. it's been said that after that, maybe he played the best 20 minutes of his career. Um, and then from that 14, um, you know, he said, I should have listened to my father. My father was always calling me chicken for not hitting out on the back end where okay. he would like a lot of young kids who are hitting one hand and back hand, they, they, they slice. Yeah. When they're very bit. young. Yep. 
15, why I wanted to go to the Wimbledon ball after I won junior Wimbledon. Yeah, there's no guarantee after you, you know, do really well in the juniors that um, you're going to be back to play in the seniors. In the men's, yeah. So he was ushered off to play in a tournament, and he, and he just said, gee, I really wanted to go to the Wimbledon ball. I didn't know if I'd ever be back. So, yeah. again, once humility. Yeah, no guarantees. 16, chink in your armor. Yeah, there's an interview with his mother on YouTube that people could listen to, and Roger used to act up. You know, he would lose his cool and mm -hmm. physical action response, body language. And that's what his mother would say is you, you're showing your opponent weakness, but her line was a chink in your armor. Mm. Yep, take that, juniors. You don't want to show a chink in your armor. <clears throat> Flag is a big plus. Yeah, he's got a sense of humor. He's asked, you know, <laughs> what do you like about Switzerland? And he said, well, the flag's a big plus. So you get the the red flag with the white plus in the middle. This is, I had the closest thing to it here, this uh, Denmark duckly shoot, shootout mug here. Oh, You'd I have did. to see it on the YouTube channel to see my mug. I thought that but. was the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> Speaking of uh, number eight, uh, Timo Solani. He's a very good tennis player. He played in the NHL, unbelievable hockey player. But uh, I, always th I always think of him and I think of number eight as well. But Roger Federer, 8881. Um, I'm Swiss. He was asked, what do you do with your money? He goes, I'm Swiss. I put it in the bank. And then they asked him about sugar. He said, I'm Swiss. I eat chocolate. I eat chocolate. It kind of helps when you're sponsored by Lint. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be not good for me. Um, okay, 19, Rodrigo Navarro and the late bloomer. Yeah, Carla Navarro comes around, visits, and uh, now she's a mom, and she's um, you know, not a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> she looks like she's 29 still, but with... Uh, I, I that was a good the, cover, good cover. I, 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 tell, <laughs> I tell the kids that... Uh, um, I said, her brother beat Roger Fetter. Yeah. Then they start to listen to her. You know, yeah. he was 28 and Roger was 18. And another player, if you look at our course, Tennis Intelligence Applied, mm -hmm. a Bulgarian player, Orlean Stanoichev, made all these changes at 19. And then it's kind of a wow factor where he went back and he won his national championship and played Davis Cup, but he went five sets with Kafelnikov, yeah. who was ranked one at the time. At the Open, right? Yeah, and Arthur Ashe. But yeah. they... They were both 10 years older than Roger, so when Roger's 18, they have a have a win over him. Yeah. Number 20, halfway there, 6-0, 6, -oh, six -oh. So there's a few biographies written on Roger, and in one uh, he was interviewed, he was asked, you must have won a lot of matches, 6-0, six 6-0. -oh, six -oh. And it's a fun part of the book where he said, no, I don't ever remember winning 6-0, six 6-0, -oh, six -oh, but I remember being beat 6060 and they interview the person who beat him love and love. Love and love. It's like, yeah, I own you. Oh no. Yeah, I've played Roger. What was the score? Oh no. All right, twenty one. Laver's lifetime lifetime earnings versus a one night Federer exhibition. Birth of the Labor Cup. Yeah, so Federer he's a classy guy. You read about the, the birth of the Labor Cup the history. So um you know Tony Gossick, his agent, Dartmouth guy, so mm -hmm. Highly educated, they put a few things together, and but it, it, Roger is the one who said it's just not right that 
you know, I, I make more money in one night playing an exhibition than Labor made his whole career. Yeah. So Maybe. that's part of the history behind the, um, the Labor Cup. Labor Cup, yeah. 22, I made a list. Yeah, you've heard this many times. Vic Braden, brain typing with John Nienago. Mm-hmm. They have Roger Down as an ENTP. Mm-hmm. Extrovert, intuitive, thinker, perceiver. But the descriptor for that is an ENTP is a planner. And Roger Federer once said in an interview, um, I just made a list of all the shots that I need to learn to hit. Yeah. To be a great tennis player. Yeah, Vic was like, hey, where'd you learn to have all these options? I just made a list. Yeah. What I had to do. 23, the Aussie influence. Yeah. I think about you, that briefly, but yeah. You, you could say Roger, old school throwback. I mean, I think it's great where he and Wadrinka won doubles. I mean, he can, he can do it all, play any surface, singles, doubles. Um, but he, Tony Roach was one of his early coaches as well. Thanks, Roach from Coach. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think so many things went right for Roger to be a great player, but uh, you learn by watching. I mentioned, um, you know, Peter Carter hitting the ball really well. You think back about Pete Fisher having Pete Sampras watch films of labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so you, when you spend a lot of time with Tony Roach, I mean, just the history of Australian tennis is yeah. part, and, and Roger will say that, that his game is highly influenced. Along the lines of ENTP, um, Craig Tap Tap Tiley, one of our longtime students he spent so many years with us mm-hmm. he, he's big friends with uh Federer and he's told me many times uh in the past way back when when Federer was very young that prankster um that he's a prankster Tylee you know through some of the connections we put together in Tyler Texas he became the Davis Cup captain and he wanted to have Roger play Davis Cup for South Africa because mm-hmm. his mother's South African mm-hmm. but pranksters are planners so uh, yeah He's the prankster. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Apologizing in Turkish, orally, and in writing. Yeah, I have great respect for the Afrikaners. Um, you know, I think back with Dennis Vandermeer, where they definitely command respect. The parents. I mean, you've got to, you know, you got to act the right way when you're the child of an Afrikaner. So, um, Roger had made fun of a Turkish girl living in Switzerland, so she couldn't speak Swiss German. So he had to apologize to the girl in Turkish, both you know in written form and oral form. He had to you know go up to her and say, "I'm sorry." So you know those type of lessons. I think that yeah. you know certainly yeah, grip swing body, but it's always <clears> about <throat> character first. We tell people if you, know, you really can't teach character at a high level, you're not going to be able to teach strokes at a high level. Yeah. That's classic. Next one as well, cleaning toilets. Yeah, so there's going to be a Hall of Fame for tennis parents. Federer's parents are going to be in. Um, mm-hmm. So he's acting up. At or the, a heaven. Yeah, uh-huh. tennis heaven. He's acting up at the academy that he went off to when he was 13 years old, and it was his parents' idea. Just get him up early and make him clean every toilet. Yeah. Good yeah. idea. Yeah. I'm sure that worked. Long, quiet car rides. I'm always telling parents that, you know, don't disagree in front of your child. It's, it's, so it's healthy to disagree, but don't do it Fine. in front of your child. We covered that in an episode on brain typing mm-hmm. where with a marriage, a husband and wife generally opposites attract, and then the kid realizes that and they become a yeah. master manipulator. Yeah, so the parents, they really need to be on the same page. We tell people, don't become your child's uh, friend until they're an adult. 
don't let the tail wag the dog. But anyway, right. long car rides and reading about Fetter that, you know, he'd misbehave at a tournament and he'd be in the back seat and his parents would be in the front seat and silence. Yeah. <laughs> no talking. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that leaves you wondering, oh, you know, like what's going to happen when we get home? Okay. 28. I was only a volunteer. I was not competent enough. So, and again, we could be off on some of this. It's just, you know, you, you, you read, you listen, you hear. Yeah. But Lynette Fetter um, started playing tennis relatively late, became a very good player. And she was a very good amateur player and was working as a volunteer. So it's in this book that I read. Um, she was asked, why, why didn't you work with your son? Why did you have your son take lessons from Adolf Kowalski? Mm-hmm. And she said, I was a volunteer. I was not competent enough. That's, that's such a powerful word. You, you know, talking to uh, Mike Custer the other day, he's, you know, he's talking about first you got to care. If you don't care, nothing good's going to happen. Yeah. And then two, you have to be competent. So, I mean, I think that's just the honesty. I wasn't competent enough to uh, teach my son. Well, I heard a Roger in a recent interview as well where he was talking about, you know, his own kids and are you teaching your own kids and, you know, it was this really along the same lines as no, no, no. Like I leave that to people that know what they're doing. You know, they can teach tennis. Well, one thing with parent-child coaching is it, it sometimes it's it it's financial. It's 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 survival. It's just it's just what has to be done. But mm-hmm. many times the parent-child coaching scenario it keeps the child younger longer because they're working with their parent mm-hmm. instead of working with a professional Mm. even if their parent is a professional (laughs) yeah 29 a dream of serving and volleying on every ball yeah again Federer said that you know a dream of his would be to win win Wimbledon serving volleying on every ball Um, as great as he is you know you go look back and look at numbers um, the numbers would tell you that you know, he, he should have stayed, even though they changed the grass, that he should have continued to go forward. Yeah. And he, he, he'd have more Wimbledon titles. Yeah. It's also that remark from Edberg, right? Like, where he talked about, well, you know, is Edberg getting you to go forward when Edberg was coaching? He said, yeah, but, you know, I would go forward more if I had volleys like Edberg. Yeah, it's skipping down. It's number 35. Ah, I blew it. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> no problem. So uh, he was asked. But it's just along know, those lines, so. He, he said, I'd go to the net like Edberg if I volleyed like Edberg. <laughs> exactly. And Edberg, it comes back to tennis math. Edberg, less calculation on yeah. his volleys. Yeah. I tell people, Roger, I mean, as good as he is, he, he's got some downplay on his volleys, you know, especially the backhand side. So um, where are we at? Thir- 30. I mean, I, I think if you're, if people aren't going to listen 30. to, if people aren't going to listen to Roger Federer, Roger Federer quote, good things happen at the net. Yeah. You know, um, through Matt Clore, I was fortunate to read some notes that uh, Roger Fred had written to uh, Mackenzie McDonald. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's basically a repeat from Dick Gould, a Stanford coach who won 17 national championships. I don't care how you get there, but you should be at the net at least twice a game. Yeah, you hear that, kids? Roger Federer to Mackey, get to the net twice a game. So, 31. Yeah, extrovert, people, person. Uh, you know, if you read, Roger, will his wife's three years older. Mm. 
He talks about her maturity, her work ethic. Uh, so many things happened for Roger to be great, but I think people... Have, she was a player as well. Yeah, she was a world-class player, and uh, you can get online, and they played together at the Hopman Cup with... But yeah, he was a night owl, late morning practices. You know, he was hooked on video games, and <laughs> she uh, was given credit for like, you know, grow up. Yeah. What do you want to do? Make a choice right now. Thirty-two influence of immigrants in his circle of trust. Yeah, so he's an international person. So his mother, she basically a South African, you know, obviously in Switzerland, learning. Swiss German, and then his wife is from Slovakia. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how many great tennis players are immigrants. So you have to struggle. Or their parents are. Their parents are, right. You're in a, yeah, thank you. They're in a new country, learning a new language, learning a new way. And that's the word that comes up all the time is struggle. Yeah. I mean, a match is a struggle. You know, a match is life, life is match. Life is a match. Life is a match, yeah. Um, 33, makes tennis look like ballet. Elegant, a word Vic used quite often. Yeah, that's what Vic would say about Roger. Efficient, easy power. Um, he makes tennis look like mini tennis. Yeah. You know, just smooth. Yeah. Silk. Yep. Distance running. I tell kids this is that... Um, you know, I think I have it wrong too because it's you know here in this country it's twelve minutes for two miles. Can you do that? I would think that in Switzerland would be more the metric system. But Roger, he strongly disliked distance running. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you, you have to in, in, embrace what you don't like. All yeah. successful people, you know, you have to do what you don't like. Sometimes that's the first thing you have to do in the day. Yeah, winners do what non-winners aren't willing to do. At 35, a few more to go here. I'd go to the net like Edberg. This is the one I brought up. If I volleyed like Edberg. Yeah, another quote off those lines. When Federer loses, he'll uh, say, I've heard him say it many times, I got to go back to basics. Mm. I go back to basics. Yeah. 36, I didn't know you were supposed to win in practice. Yeah, that's a great quote. As again, Roger Federer. That's what juniors need to hear too. Um, and some pros. The word practice means practice. I mean, it is absolutely overwhelming mm-hmm. how kids, I mean, they won't serve in volley. They won't play an underspin backhand. Yeah. They won't take a ball of the air as a conventional volley. They try nothing because they just want to win. I, and I think yeah. it's not just the kids' fault. I think technology, you know, here in this country, first it was the USTA rankings and then it was uh, tennisrecruiting.net and now it's a UTR. Um, and that's one negative. There's so many positives of UTR, but one negative is these people who go out and play match. Go, I know I'm going to beat this guy. Yeah. And they would experiment a little bit. It's yeah. like Chrissy Everett said to Novak Djokovic at one time, yeah. you're winning all these matches easily. Don't you think about yeah. adding to your game and going to the net more? <laughs> Serve volley a little bit. Um, but yeah, practice to practice. It's like a musician. If they're going to learn a new song, you yeah. have to practice. And yeah. it's, it's really, really a problem. Well, then, you know, I understand the confidence side of it. There's a few guys that have, you know, coached on the tour where, you know, these practice sets that you play, like if they lose those practice sets, they, you know, it's the confidence issue is there. But it's if you can go to a practice session and go, okay, this here's what I need to do 
to prepare against, you know, my next opponent and then work on those things and not worry about the winning and the losing of the set. Just work on some of the patterns that you want to try to implement in your match. You know what I'm saying, Smith? Yeah. I mean, um, just making sure you're paying attention. Here, here's a trivia question for you. Yeah. Uh, Roger Federer's childhood friend. These two people say, well, this is back for, before Djokovic made his climb. It's like, well, two people I don't want, two people I'm not as confident as I should be. It was, it was Nadal and his childhood friend. Mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast recently. My son went three sets. You may have been traveling. I was there. Son. I was with him. Yeah. Chudinelli. There you go. How do you say it again? Marco Chudinelli. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. It was a close match. But this is uh, 37. Brad Gilbert, you know, he looks over the shoulder in the player's lounge and Federer's on a, on his computer and he's checking out results from a $15,000 tournament yeah. and Gilbert says, what are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, I think Federer, that's one of the biggest things that people should take away from Federer is that he loves tennis. You know, he yeah. said when he was a little kid, he couldn't wait to, you know, he started getting free rackets and new, new equipment, yeah. new shoes being sent to him. Yeah. Uh, but he just told Federer, uh, no, I'm very interested in what's happening with uh, upcoming players. Yeah. Yeah, and these days they make they make it so much easier. Actually, the WTA ATP app that you used to have is no longer in existence, so it's changed a little bit. It used to be a really nice app, actually, but there are still some ways where you can find out what's going on at all the different levels. Um, Thirty-eight parents had a three-year plan with fitness. Yeah. Um I guess he was 17, 18 years old, and he still has the same fitness instructor, fitness trainer all these years later. But they they made the investment, okay, our son is going to turn pro. Yeah. Um, Charlie Rose, is a, there's a clip, um, video, an interview, YouTube, where Federer is a young guy, I think he's 21, and three times in the interview, he goes, well, tell us how you improve so much. And each time he, he said, I've improved my footwork. Yeah. But um, another thing that was three years of 39, and again, this list was put together very quickly. I could make another list of 40. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's the little things that turn into big things. And I think you really want to try to find out as much as you can about a player's intangibles. But his father, Robert, gave him three years. He had to get to a certain level, which they figured out was about 70 in the world before you, so you're making a Making living. Money, yeah. Like I know, you know, my son got to be 200 in the world. You don't make a living at 200 in the world. Um, but, um, yeah, so, and then his father, then he was actually, if you think back about his confidence, his father's, you know, he's going, well, I think that's a little bit unfair. It's going to take me longer. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> but obviously it didn't take him that yeah. much time. Yeah. Number 40, this is a good one. It's nice to be important, but... It's more Rogers, important to be nice. Rogers' philosophy. Yeah, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. That's the golden rule. That's golden rule for golden rule many, many people. Tool. Roger yeah. Federer's golden rule. Yeah. My brother Pat used to say the golden rule is whoever has the money rules. <laughs> With uh, There's so many other things. I mean, just, you know, Federer was uh, uh, three wishes. He was given one time. He said, well, he thought about it. He was number one that Nadal chose soccer. Yeah. Number two, if he could hit his back in like Warinka. Close the racket face. Is it, is it, is it number, <laughs> like Warinka. Yeah. Warinka is a little more from the shoulder. Yeah. And 
Number three goes, well, I, I would save that one. Smart guy. <laughs> yeah. Smart yeah. guy. Yeah. With, uh, tell us about your commercial, the pick-me-up truck. You could YouTube Roger. Pick-me-up truck? Pick oh, yeah, so we got through the 40. I mean, uh, yeah, we could make probably lists and lists about Roger Federer, the GOAT, you know, so good for the game. You know, years ago, I mean, uh, this is probably two, uh, probably 2013, I think it was. It was a long time uh, sponsored by Wilson, which I've just joined forces with again. Thank you, Cy, Uncle Cy, Dofitas. And, um, but yeah, so I've been with Wilson for a long time and I was doing a little bit of commercial acting in Los Angeles because of my face for radio. And uh, yeah, my Wilson rep just called me up and said, hey, they're looking for somebody to do a commercial with Roger Federer. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And um, so yeah, I was out in the desert, Indian Wells, the tournament there, which I was already headed out there to do our 3D project with Vic. And so I got in the desert and shoot this commercial with Roger and he came out and he's, you know, he's got this mustache on his face and, and uh, yeah, so we spent a couple hours, but I got to hit some balls with him. And uh, he complimented me a little bit on my game at the net and talked about his Rolex a little bit. But then, you know, in between takes, we got to sit down on these, you know, director's chairs and, and just talk tennis, which was cool. So I was telling him about the 3D projects that we do. And we talked about who, you know, he asked me, who do you think is efficient? And I said, well, besides you, you know, although I wanted to say, you know, you could toss a little more in front on your serve. But um, we talked about, you know, he mentioned Nishikori and, uh, you know, compact swings, but I didn't. I didn't want to mention Nishikori's palm up serve, but we just talked about some players that were efficient and, and um, his agent, Tony, he actually thanked me later because he said that I helped keep Roger pretty calm and relaxed during the shoot. But uh, yeah, you know, we were in the locker room together and just talking tennis and, you know, talking about uh, the media and questions they make and just, just different things. But it was just fun to just, you know, talk tennis cause I could talk tennis and then, Actually, some years later, when I was coaching JJ at Wolf at it's, it's Cincinnati, the Masters, he had a two-hour practice with Roger, and Roger came out of the court, and he goes, hey, wait, hey, I know you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we shot that commercial together. He's like, oh, you're coaching now? But I was like, yeah, that's what I've been doing for my whole life. But um, So we, it was just fun to kind of catch up there. And then you know, When he says pick-me-up truck instead of pickup truck, that, yeah. that was a mistake, right? Yeah, basically a mistake. And, they, they kept uh, it in But there. they kept it because it's classic. You know, he, he says the line is, um, you know, this new racket will help you get more spin than the wheels of my pick-em-up truck. But he says pick-me-up truck or something like that. Pick-up truck. He says pick-me-up truck or something. Pick-em-up truck, something like that. It's, it's classic. Um, yeah, if you search... Um, Roger Federer, Incognito, you know, Wilson on YouTube, you'll see it. That reminds me of uh, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Bo, Bo, what's Bo's last name? He's such Bo a, Jackson? Bo Jackson, Bo, yes. Bo knows. Bo, so Bo, they, Bo knows baseball, Bo knows so, football. Yeah, so he, Bo knows all these sports. Yeah. So they have it where it's set up where Gretzky's on, on the ice and Bo's, they, he's not on ice, but mm. you, know, you can't see his feet. <laughs> and... Uh, so the first take, Gretzky, it's early in the morning, and he just goes, he's supposed to say, Bo knows hockey. Yeah. And Gretzky just goes, Bo knows, no. <laughs> and that's the one they used. <laughs> that, that, that's the one they used. That's perfect. Yeah, no, there's quite a few takes and, you know, large crew there. But, yeah, it was a fun day um, to be able to do that. 
with um it's some balls with roger yeah you know i think you you go to these major tournaments let's say the u.s open indian wells now they have built stands because roger's a so rock many star people yeah you know if you want to watch roger sit on a bench and watch yeah. people hit balls yeah um i was at the open one time with matt clore so he's coaching mckenzie mcdonald and mcdonald's been very fortunate to practice a great deal with mm-hmm. um better so i said yeah i'll go to that you know so i'm not courtside i, I just go and i'm one of five thousand six thousand people watching mm-hmm. this practice so matt tells a story where in the beginning um Fetter asked Mackenzie, what do you rank now? And he goes, oh, I don't know, somewhere between, you know, 195 and 205. And yeah. Roger said, you need to know. <laughs> and he said, Matt said, you could just sense his competitiveness. Yeah. But I, I one thing of that practice, and I've seen Roger practice so many times. I remember Roger, the first time he played Nadal, was pretty sure 99% was in Miami. And he really shouldn't have played. He was, he was really sick. It always makes me wonder if, because he lost in Nadal very early because he played him when he, you know, he was really under the weather. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's practice session. The ball goes over Roger's backhand side. So he's got to hit a reverse overhead. So he hits a reverse overhead, but he hits it as a touch, a cross court drop shot off reverse overhead. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of looks around like, yeah. like, like, did anybody see that? Yeah, you see that? <laughs> um, no, I, with Roger, I love to watch Roger entertain himself. He, obviously, he's played so many matches. I'm going to guess he's played 1,700 matches. But he has fun making a game out of just hitting, putting the, you know, say it's it's a ball, it's coming his way. He's going to hit it to the ball boy. Yeah. He puts it right in their hands. No, when we practiced with him in Cincinnati, he was constantly doing things, you know, just fine-motored things, where you, whether it's, you know, hitting it against the side, you know, fence or whatever and having it ricochet back. And then, when you know, it's at night stadium lights Cincinnati he would when he was going to give me a ball right because I'm standing in the back he would just launch it up in the air like as hard as he could you know and a couple times it just went into the stand but uh it was just funny you know he was always doing stuff for fine motor skilled movements you know yeah from the outside it seems like he's so chill down to earth seems like he's low maintenance yeah Andy Roddick talks about a time where um you know, Roger went to Austin for the day to help him with his foundation. You know, he's just a low-maintenance guy. Yeah, I, I've said this multiple times, but I think it's worth repeating. You know, during that practice after when he was talking to JJ and, you know, he was just giving some advice, just saying, hey, you, you want to learn from the best. But he said, but he said, I'm a difficult person to copy. And I think that's so important for people to hear that some of the things that he can do, I mean, we talk about brain typing, the way he grew up, you know, the skills of badminton, the different sports, you know, there's certain things that he can do that, you know, others are not going to be able to do. And, um, yeah. So just be wary, you know, you, the, his, his fine motor skills, not everybody's going to have. I was with a group of kids in uh, Zurich at a 1400 tournament and their squash court. So I, I have kids in the squash court and I've got them hitting tennis balls. Mm-hmm. But the Swiss kids, they were just taking the tennis ball in the Swiss racket, or excuse me, say the tennis racket. Mm-hmm. And they were playing squash. It just makes you wonder, think, well, that's where he can be in the corner. Oh, no question. And yeah. play, play shots like that. Exactly. No question. You know, develop the fine motor skills. Because in the ENTP, the NT is going to be more on the fine motor side. 
So if you develop those skills, you can win 20 grand slams. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, you know, because of avoiding injury, now he's, had, now he's not playing this US Open 2021. Yeah, the knee. But um, he stayed away from the ski slopes, but mm. um, it's, a, it's an amazing place to, to be in Switzerland, and uh, everybody seems to be going skiing. So, yeah, you know, obviously playing multiple sports, you go on and on with, with the Fed, but this was just 40 tidbits we put together. and um, But to listen to Roger Federer's, your parents should listen. You know, you play play as many sports as possible. Yeah. If I were to just pick one out, it's my favorite. It's always been the snowbank. Um, but I like the thing is, I like the one where I didn't know you were supposed to win in practice. That's great. I think my favorite is 25, apologizing in Turkish, orally, and in writing, only just because I'm learning German over the last four years. And, you know, it's just not easy to do. I just think that's great that she made him do that. Yeah, especially tennis kids. Tennis kids, um, you know, I beat up on tennis kids a little bit for, um, you know, it's one thing to be elite, but you don't want to act like an elitist. Yeah. You know, because you have the privilege of playing tennis and it's an individual sport and your parents turn into uh, full-time chaperone, full-time chauffeur and, mm-hmm. You know, the sacrifices parents make for their child to play tennis. I think sometimes tennis kids, they don't mean to be harmful by it, but they just take it for granted. Yeah, for sure. But so, yeah, I think that if there's a Hall of Fame for for parents, Federer's parents are in. Yeah. All right. Well, year two here. We're, we're trying to make the, our, our podcast a little bit shorter, too. Have some fun. And, uh, yeah, 40 on Fed. Happy, yeah, birth, happy birthday to Roger, and hopefully he can keep playing. Just with character, I, I've been to the US Open in many capacities. One is a writer, amateur writer. I used to write for Tennis Life, and so I'd have the credentials to go to uh, post match interview. So he wins the late match, yeah. and you know he, he didn't lose, so he's going to, you know, take a shower, yeah. massage, have something to eat, and comes in. Mm-hmm. It's pretty late in the morning. And, you know, it's pretty easy to just catch a bus back to Manhattan. But so many, many times I've been in that interview room in New York, but his father would be there. His father would come in. Yeah. And, you know, so he would take the questions in English first. And then, you know, it's in yeah. in New York. So it's a U.S. tournament. So most of the journalists leave. And then the next would be uh, the second amount of journalists, which would be the Swiss German and then the French. Yeah. And then the, the Germans, and you could see he would sit up a little bit where it's like, okay. Let me, <laughs> he, let me he, focus here. He's not as good in German, but I I, I would just stay there and listen to the whole thing. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting, um, you know, the stories behind the stories, and not that we're on the inside, but, um, you know, he's basically coming to everyone's living room for the last 20 years. Yeah. And then, then on top of that, if you read... Um, it's, it's pretty easy to get a, a handle on the the insight, but uh, amazing, amazing uh, tennis career. Yeah, he's tennis a purist champion. too. One last story, you know. Speaking of the meeting media room, it just reminded me there was a time where I was in there with Vic, and it was at the time when the WTA had just come out with the they were they were um, testing out the on court coaching. 
Yeah. And so I asked Roger, I said, what do you think about Encore coaching? And he said, I don't like it and I'm not a fan. And he said, you know, you prepare for the test and then you take the test. You don't get to call your mom up and ask her what two plus two is. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that was actually later printed in a lot of different magazines. I remember magazines. One, time, one time asking you to ask him about looking at charts. And this is before I heard the story about uh, finally using tennis analytics. Yeah. yeah. So um, with charting, he was asked about, do you look at charts? And he said, no, yeah. uh, only once a year is when I'm playing Wimbledon. They put the stats in front of us while they're waiting for the yeah. journalists all to get to get the room organized before they start asking questions. Yeah. So the follow-up question was, in that time, Anacone was his coach. And does your coach look at the charts? And the answer was no. We just go, <laughs> we just go on hunches. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, things are changing a little bit there with analytics. But all right, well, thanks for listening. Episode 53. Sir Roger. Sir Roger. Years old. Thank you, Sir Roger. Hope his knee is uh, on the rebound and he comes back and he plays uh, till he's 45. That would yeah. be a fair request. That would be great for tennis. And then we'll do a 45 episode. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Find us online at Great Base Tennis, greatbasetennis.com. Find us on social media at Great Base Tennis. We're always putting stuff up, educational content that some people have said have, they've found some use out of it. And a lot of people have plagiarized. That's all good, you know? <laughs> Just keep it going. That's our goal is to try to help tennis, tennis teaching. So thanks for listening, and we will check you in the next next one. Right, Smith? Sounds good. Thank All you, right. Andy. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening. Adios. Auf Wiedersehen. You know? A little German there in the end for Roger. Wünsche ich spreche Deutsch. Ich brauche ein Übersetzer für Deutsch spreche. Yeah, nicht so schlecht. Even that, I made five mistakes. <laughs> Maybe seven. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks.